We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack a Day Podcast. It is Saturday. It is a rainy Saturday here in the Phoenix area. I am with my every other Saturday co-host, Paul Brettel. Paul, how are you, sir? Fantastic, Jason. And we've got a guest with us on today's show. He is Ken Ingalls. Ken has done some fantastic work on Twitter, keeping all of us up to date with the Packers' salary cap situation. Ken is a CPA by day and a phenomenal Packers salary cap tweeter also by day. Ken, thanks so much for coming on today. Hey, thanks, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks a lot. So, Ken, you done, did a lot of great work uh, on getting some of those salary cap information out there, and we want to get to some questions that our readers had or our listeners had for you, and then just talk specifically about the Packers and their salary cap situation. So let's let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, I'm going to let Paul lead off, and we'll we'll get going with some Packers questions, and then I'll throw in some of our listener questions in as we go. So, Paul, I will turn it over to you. Take it away. Awesome. Let's ride. So I wanted to start with kind of the Packers' overall salary cap situation. You know, if we look at the, some of the notable sites, Track has them currently at just under $22 million in available cap space. Over the cap has them with a little bit more than that. So, Ken, I know you keep your spreadsheets and keep track of all this information with your own calculations. So one, is what you have similar to Spotrack and over the cap? And two, 
as the offseason unfolds and we see likely cuts or trades of Jimmy Graham, Lane Taylor, how does that affect the Packers salary cap? And then are there also any other costs that we're not considering? You know, rookie contracts that need to be factored in, extra money for just the 2020 season, things like that. So give me your take on the current Packers salary cap situation and your final number. Sure, sure. So right now, um, you know, between those two other sites, I'm sitting right in between at about $23.2 million, um, as of what their top – 51 salary cap space would be. And what that top 51 means, uh, during the offseason, when rosters blowed up above the regular 53 players, um, all the way up to 90, um, for salary cap purposes during the offseason, we only count the, the base salaries for the top 51 guys. So right now, I've got 54 players on the Packers. Um, so only, you know, we're starting to kick into that top 51 number. And same with those other two sites. So when you when we start seeing the top 51, as we add players, as we get into the draft, as we do free agency, and you hear a number like, hey, someone signed for $8 million, it's going to be less than $8 million because of how they slot into the top 51. Um, so under that, under that uh, number, we're really assuming that every team is going to get about a um, $200 million top-line salary cap allocation to start the year. Um, it might go up a little bit, might go down a little bit uh, from there, but there was a range that was given, and that's just kind of what everyone's assuming right now. Um, plus, you get some rollover from the prior year. I've got my number right now at $5.3 million of what they did not use from 2019. Um, that was going to be higher, except um, if you remember late in 2019, uh, Aaron Rodgers did a little bit of a rework of his contract, and we also um, extended Lucas Patrick. So because of the timing of those, those dollars hit 2019. And so then the rollover that we were looking at closer to about $9 million dropped down to five. Um, so today, $23 million is where kind of like the number that everyone should be kind of thinking about what they have today. But you had a good question about, you know, what other charges aren't we thinking about? So the biggest one for me is that of that 23, the Packers aren't going to spend 23. There's, they can't, right? That you need to go into the season with an extra pot of money, and that pot of money goes for various things. Um, when players get injured, you have to pay to replace those guys, right? Um, or if you want to do midseason trades, uh, midseason pickups, anything, uh, you have to pay those guys. You're not only paying the guys that are uh, the the 53 guys in the roster. You know, when people move and jump off and off the roster, you have to pay for all of them, right? So you need that extra piggy bank. Uh, that piggy bank also is um, like what we saw this past year with Rodgers and Patrick for extensions, right? If you're going to give some midseason extensions, we typically like to hit, you know, use the current year cap dollars for that. Um, so you need to actually have cap space available. So right now, I have that piggy bank number sitting in about $7.5 million. And that sounds like a lot, but that's less than what the Packers, you know, kind of had to start the season last year. So that's kind of like my minimum, what I think, what I'd feel comfortable with with them leading into the season. So right away, seven and a half million gone, right? Wow. And then, oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Keep going. Okay. And then once, once we're out of the off season, you know, we're going to have a practice squad. We always do. Uh, that's not going to change. And, uh, while those guys aren't making, you know, as much money as the guys on the actual roster, 
you know, the total for the season is about $1.4 million. So that's money that can't be spent in the off season because we got to be able to pay those guys during the year. And then as I, you know, said at the beginning, um, we're only counting for the top 51 players for whatever reason, but we all know there's 53 players on the final roster. So you kind of have to think about keeping those spots open and, and paying those <laughs> number 52 and 53 because they're not going to play for free. And so that's about, you know, five, a little over 500,000 each. The minimum salary this year is $510,000. So when you add all those kind of like, what aren't we thinking about costs together? A good overall number is going to be about $10 million that, um, that player or that, um, you should assume that we, we are not going to be able to spend during the offseason. So if you take my, if you take my 23 and you subtract off 10, that's really 13 that they have to play with right now, today. But if they do nothing else, right? Okay, so Ken, the question then is, when you see teams, or we hear about teams that don't have cap space, or they need to create cap space, sign X, Y, Z contracts have caught up. Is that just, you know, your ten million dollar? Is that? Are you talking about that in terms of that's a good cushion to have? Um, and then for the Packers, and then just address teams get down to zero. You know, what what did they not do to help cushion? Them? Wow, um, this is a good question. So, like, that $10 million, you know, obviously, I think we all wish they would have more. Um, we're starting to feel the burn now from some big deals that we've done in the past. I know, you know, that, you know, about this time last year, we were all real excited to sign um, our, our big free agents with the Smith brothers, Amos, and Turner. Um, unfortunately, those guys, when we signed them in their year one, they were nice and cheap. Um, but in year two, just those guys being on the roster are going to count 24, uh, 24.8 million more in 2020 on our cap than, than they did in 2019 for the same four guys, right? And it's all the way that Green Bay likes to structure their contract. Green Bay does a really good job with not getting themselves into trouble. Um, across the league, Russ Ball does a phenomenal job with that. Um, but some teams don't, you know, you hear these, Hey, let's go all in. We got to go for it, right? And sometimes you hear, you know, all oh, the Packers just need to go for it. Well, there are consequences for that. We're seeing that right now across the league where teams will find themselves with almost no salary cap or even negative cap right now. There's, uh, because there's, you know, they do this go for it mentality and have these, you know, they, they spend, 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 and, or they do these cap tricks to push the, um, cost of those, signing those players down the road. They're like, oh, we'll deal with it later. And then now they have to deal with it. And there's no escaping the salary cap. It's always going to catch up with you at some point. But overall, the Packers do an excellent job. There are ways to make that $10 million go up, um, you know, as we go through the offseason. Yeah, and I would say the Packers have done a good I mean, they haven't had a cap problem in a long time. They've wanted to sign somebody they could. The previous GM wasn't big on that anyway, so we miss out on any shots. You know, like Gretzky says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So if the one good thing to come out of that was the fact that the Packers, as far as having money to spend. So to get to a couple of our listener questions, um, I'm going to go off of their Twitter handle, so I don't know what their actual names are. But Broccoli Rob asked us, you know, assuming that the Packers are going to re-sign Brian Bulaga, which is a big assumption, and they're going to get Clark extended. I've kind of thrown some of those numbers projection, as well as cutting Jimmy Graham and Lane Taylor. So let's assume all four of those things happen. Bulaga resigned, Clark extended, Graham and Taylor get cut. Are there any other possible cap casualties for the Packers to free up space that we're not thinking about? Okay. So I have a scenario kind of for this in uh, my numbers here. 
So again, that that nine million or sorry, that ten million dollars I said is kind of like what they have spendable. So let's kind of add to that. So there are some kind of softball things that I think the Packers are going to do <clears throat> right away. Obviously, they're gonna they've got five exclusive right free agents. They're going to tender all those guys. They're young, they're cheap talent, and they can be retained for almost zero negotiation. So those guys will come back. They'll be ex- you know very affordable in the cap. So they'll come back. We got a draft class of you know right now ten players um, that could change, but you know that is going to decrease what they have again spendable for the off season. So getting back to your Jimmy Graham and Lane Taylor questions, those are kind of the what everyone right now is assuming that the Packers will move on. Jimmy Graham's contract is really expensive. I think we can agree that it would be really tough to keep him on the roster. Um, for his over $11 million cap hit. So if they were to cut ties with Jimmy Graham, the Packers would gain $8 million right there. Lane Taylor is another one of those guys that you hear his name floating around. Um, you know, I see him, if he does, if he's not on the team, it could actually probably be done by, via trade. I think there's a lot of teams out there that could use a Lane Taylor on their team. Uh, either way, if Lane Taylor's not around, um, oh, a little over $4 million again. So we have we have some ways to make <clears throat> the cap go up a little bit here. So now we get into Brian Bulaga and Kenny Clark. So those guys are going to be tough. And the reason why they're tough, or any free agent's going to be tough, um, there's some of the off-season rules that we have where they're limiting on how we can structure their contracts because we are in the last year of the CBA. And in these kind of final waning years of the CBA, there are rules that start to phase in that make it more cap expensive in 2020 to sign the guy, right? And so there are some tricks and whatever. So we can maybe get Bulaga in. I have a scenario out there for seven and a half million dollars this year. If, you know, that's assuming a $12.3 million average over three years. Again, that would, that would kind of be outside of what Russ Ball normally likes to do, but it's, it's something that's possible. Kenny Clark is, you know, almost making $8 million this year on his fifth year option. Um, you know, he's going to get paid. He is a, he is a, he, he's a monster in the inside. He's young. He's fast. He's quick. He's disruptive. You know, he could potentially make, you know, top D lineman money behind Aaron Donald. That's some of the numbers we're seeing out there. That's not going to be cheap. I have a model out there for, Five years, $85.7 million, $17 million per year, a little over. I don't see a way under the current rules that we can decrease his cap number, but I have a way that I can get his cap number at uh, a little over $10 million. So going from where he is now to ten, um, it will be more expensive you know, to get him locked up long term. That being said, um, yeah, there's plenty of room to sign some other guys. Um, if we... If we do all the following, we get those exclusive rights guys that I talked about. We sign our draft picks. We get Kenny Clark at the ten point two five million. Sign Belaga for seven point five million cap hit. We could bring back Mercedes Lewis, which I hear a lot of people are excited about. Maybe having him come back and um, have him be a um, you know veteran presence for uh, Sternberger. I've got him for two point two million dollars if we can get him back. The biggest one is Mason Crosby. No one's really talking about that. We need a kicker, and he's a great one. We don't want to, you know, we've seen what happens in the league when we don't have a good kicker, right? 
you know, he's probably going to come back at four. Tyler Irvin is a good guy to bring back. He was really good in our return game. He can come back super cheap at the minimum almost, if not just a little bit more. If we do all those things and, again, reserve for those piggy banks that I talked about, Packers have about a little over, I have um, $6,250,000 that they could play with remaining in free agency. So I think that's pretty encouraging. Right. Again, that is assuming that these Kenny, that the Kenny Clark deal and the Brian Belaga deal can get signed for as cheap as I have them in my model. It's tough, though, because, again, the Packers love to sign their players, their, um, whether we do extensions or all the free agents that we signed last year. We love to give them a big signing bonus and keep their first-year base salary really cheap. We can't do that this year, assuming that the CBA um, remains unsigned. If the CBA gets signed, um, there's a rule that would go away called the 30% rule that would allow Russ Ball to kind of go back to his regular contract structure. Okay, and one of my follow-ups on that is, could you go a little bit deeper into the 30% rule and how that does affect every, um, not just the Packers, but other NFL teams? So it's limiting how much they can increase a player's contract from year to year, correct? Right. So there's a rule that was in the last CBA and the CBA before that, and it'll probably be in this this next one that gets signed, that basically says that um, in the last years of the CBA, um, we don't want teams trying to figure out ways to push money out when they're signing contracts that go beyond where the CBA ends. So, for example, 2020 is the last year of the CBA. They don't want teams, you know, deferring these giant um, cash and cap hits to years beyond 2020, where they could potentially be uncapped seasons, right? Because in a world that is possible that the next CBA would not have a salary cap, I think that's very, 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 very small. <laughs> but but because, you know, the lawyers that you know, draw these up, they need to protect that, right? So they say, okay, it to hedge against that, we're going to put this 30% rule in place, sorry. So what that means is the basically your the salary that a player earns and any like in season or off season bonuses that they would get that number cannot increase by more than thirty percent of whatever that um, that was for twenty twenty in any year beyond that. So for example, if a player gets a million dollar contract in twenty twenty um, or his base salary is a million dollars and he has nothing else, the most he can get paid in twenty twenty one would be an additional $300,000, right? 30% of the million. And then the year after, another 300000 And the year after, another 300000 So that's very limiting. In fact, it's so limiting. If you were to go back and look at the free agents that we signed last year, the Smith brothers, uh, Turner and Amos, none of the contracts that they signed, you know, around this time last year in 2019 would be allowed to be signed this offseason, right? Because their base salary was super cheap in the first year. Like, let me go and look at our friends at Darius Smith. He had a million-dollar base salary last year, right? But he got a nice big signing bonus. He got a $20 million signing bonus. Well, it's not like he was playing. He didn't have money in his pocket, right? But because that base salary was so low in um, in 2019, if, 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 if sorry, if, if you were to sign that same contract with that million-dollar base salary in 2020, he couldn't – earn more than $1.3 million in year two. Well, in year two, he's earning $2 million. 
in year three under his contract, he's earning 9.5. In 2022, he's earning 14.5. And those are just base salaries. He also has, you know, $9 million roster bonuses in there, $5 million roster bonuses. That structure could not work. It would not be approved by the league. If they were to, if they were to come to another player this offseason and say, hey, we're going to give you the desert, um, uh, we're going to give you the Smith deal, the league would turn it down because it would violate that 30% rule. So it's a big handcuff to teams because what they're trying to do is it's going to force more money into the 2020 cap year than what would otherwise exist. So until the CBA gets signed and this rule goes away, teams are going to be kind of handcuffed and they're just kind of waiting. You read the news that there's reports out there that teams have deals that they're looking to maybe do with their own players, their own potential free agents that haven't been done because they're waiting to see what happens with the CBA. No, that's great stuff. And when we hear about the CBA, you know, it's the 17-game schedule, um, expanding the playoffs. That's the stuff that's sticking out, but it's this 30% rule kind of overhanging um, that's really affecting, you know, how teams are going to sign players or re-sign their uh, players that are already on their roster. And what it does is uh, Green Bay and any other team, they're going to just need, you know, we all want this to be done essentially because it's going to free up space for everyone else. Oh, totally. Teams want this. Players want this. Just from the just from the ability to, you know, they want to get back to business as usual. Um, unfortunately, it's not as easy. You know, there's a lot more <laughs> to be considered in the CBA than just, you know, the, this 30% rule going away, right? There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. It's all over the news right now. Sounds like the players want to go back and talk some more. The league's saying, no, this is what you're getting. So it's a little contentious right now. We'll see what happens. Um, but we could very well be playing out the last year of the CBA this season without it being extended. And there are some of those rules that exist only in this last league year that, you know, would really handcuff teams. Okay, Ken, so a couple more questions here. I'm going to combine two of them because they both kind of address the same thing. They both relate to Brian Bulagasly. So um, Sly Upa asks if, from a salary cap perspective, if, if letting Brian Bulaga go is smart, it seems to create a hole with so many areas in the addressing, which I agree. And then Adam Huddle's question, if they're going to consider re-signing Brian Bulaga, did the DJ Humphreys uh, make an impact to that, or is it going to have an impact on the number that he, Bulaga and his agent are going to be looking for from the Packers? Sure, sure. So I, I think any deal that's been done at your position is going to affect your deal, right? Um, I believe the Humphreys deal was $15 million average. Um, that's that's a lot. Um, you know, Balaga, it's it's no guarantee that he's coming back. You know, if I were a betting man, I don't think he's on the team next year um, for various reasons. One, you know, just could be the cost. Are they looking? Are the Packers going to be wanting to pay Balaga $15 million if they're going to match that deal? You know to an older guy who's had injury issues in the past, right? And while he was he was a very effective last year, you know, if you go back in time not too much further, you know, injuries were a factor, that's a lot of money. And, you know, I've got him at seven and a half, assuming he comes back for $12.3 million a year, which would put him, like, top three for right tackles. Humphreys is a left tackle. Yeah. So it's it's tough. The other factors with Brian Balaga is, so not only is there Balaga, who's a free agent this year, but we also have Corey Lindsley playing center, and we got David Bakhtiari on the left, 
who are up next year. So there are three starting offensive linemen who are going to be aged like 29 to, I believe, 31, all looking for their third contract from the Green Bay Packers. And Green Bay Packers don't really hand out third contracts too often, right? You typically get your rookie contract, you get your nice big payday, and then typically you're on your way out the door after that. Um, but again, that's that's not standard operating procedure. These are quality players. But if you're looking at Bulaga, Lindsay, and Bakhtiari, and you can only maybe sign one of those guys or two of those guys, who who doesn't get it, right? Or if you sign Bulaga, does that mean that you're now giving up on Corey Lindsay or David Bakhtiari? You know, like it, it's a crazy kind of – none of these decisions can be made in a void, right? Everything – all these decisions are interwebbed, yep. interwoven with each other, right? So of those three guys, you know, I'm thinking maybe one or two of them come back after 2021. And if I were to have to bet something, I would say Belaga's probably not on that, not part of that. Um, what was the second half of that question? Or I think I, I maybe no, I think I touched on them both with uh, Humphrey's deal, right? Yeah, and I think it was just the question was, is it smart to let him go because it creates a need? And I, I would tend to agree with that, but that's without any of us knowing what the Packers are to draft or who they might be targeting in free eight. You know, another another question that was asked was, um, you know, is it possible? Don P asked, is it possible to make a big splash this off season at positions um, such as inside linebacker and wide receiver specifically? Or I mean, you could just expand that to at all because again. You know, we got the, you know, we got the hit of the drug that was called what they did last year, the Smith <laughs> brothers, and you know, obviously they're in a much different cap situation. Be very irresponsible to go that route. Then they've got ten draft picks, so you know they're going to have enough capital to do some damage in the draft. But you know, I guess, <clears throat> I guess that's the other other question there is, you know, is there any maneuvering they could do to make a big splash? And are are those positions inside linebacker and wide receiver positions that you think the Packers should consider? making a big move at right um well if let's just say they do the following right if they they sign those again exclusive right free agents because those are just low-hanging fruit guys to sign who if nothing else will be really competitive in camp they're going to have their 10 draft picks for now 10 and if they get rid of jimmy graham and lane taylor i have that they can spend after that piggy bank that we talked about earlier almost 21 million dollars in free agency and still have money left aside for the season, for the practice squad, for everything. So, but that doesn't include Bulaga, doesn't include Kenny Clark, doesn't include any of those other guys. So $21 million spendable is, that's a good amount of money. And they could, they could do some damage with any, right? They can go out and not do the splash that we necessarily had last year. And I know, you know, last year was super exciting for Packer fans. We hadn't seen, a big name free agent signed in what seems like forever. And we go out and we're signing four guys in the first day and a half of free agency coming across everyone's timelines. And we're like, what is happening? Right. So I think we need to temper our expectations a little bit in 20 <laughs> for this 2020 off season. I don't think we're going to be day one, um, you know, champions like we were last year. Um, but I think there are, there's lots of opportunity um, to, sign other players. Um, the issue is is who stays and who goes. So, like, if we sign Brian Bulaga, that's a big-name free agent. People forget about it. Just because he's currently wearing a Packer jersey doesn't mean that signing a Brian Bulaga wouldn't be 
you know, a splash free agent move because it, it, it would be, right? Because he's a premium player at that position. I tend to like the type of players that um, Gudikins went after last year. Um, young guys coming off their first contract who are like 25, 26 years old. Ascending players, maybe guys who haven't quite been the focal point where they were at, but now they have an opportunity to blossom. Those are the type of guys that I would like the Packers to maybe look at um, this offseason, if if they can fit it in, right? I don't know what their plan is going to be. Um, again, they have the they have the draft, but you know there there's some room for a guy or two. But I you can't expect to <laughs> you can't expect last year again. Although it would be exciting to see. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. And a lot of the rest of the questions kind of you, you addressed right there. Um, you know, one of them was kind of what is your offseason dream scenario? You kind of went through that. Um, you know, a lot of everyone else has some different opinions on what they do. Um, one of our followers, Kyle Vick, said that his was let Bulaga go, sign Robbie Anderson and Marcel Darius, and then draft the linebacker Kenneth Murray in round one and a wide receiver in round two, which that is obviously some variable not happen. I know Robbie Anderson's been a popular name thrown around there at wide receiver. He is not going to come. So that was, that was one that was thrown at us. Um, you know, another one Scott Fry asked specifically about uh, linebacker Joe Schobert and free agency. If the Packers want to finally add some experience to the middle of that defense, I don't know if Schobert necessarily fixes your speed and pass coverage uh, issue, but, you know, and you may not, I don't know how much work you've, you've done on what some of these guys are going to command in the open market, so I don't know if Schobert's a name that you've studied, but, you know, is he a real possible realistic target in free agency? And, of course, we've got Packers fans wanting another Badger on this team, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, you can never get enough Badgers on the team, according to Packer Nation, right? Um, yeah, I've looked, I've taken a look at some of the, the free agent guys that are out there. You know, Schobert, you know, again, he's that young type of player, but I think he, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid a lot of money. Some team, there's a lot of teams out there looking for linebackers. And so are the Packers going to want to, you know, be part of that bidding war? You know, he could command $12, 14000000 million a year. You know, that's a lot of money, you know, on the higher end of a deal. And so is that going to be something that we're looking at? I would, you know, if I'm looking at this, I think some guy like Nick Kwiatkowski from the Bears, kind of a depth guy there who started to play a little bit more last year. I know the Bears are looking to bring him back, but he could come back a lot, you know, potentially cheaper. Um, there's um, the, the names are great, right? The, the, the big the big names like the Robbie Anderson, right? But Robbie Anderson is going to be probably the premier name on right. the, the yep. free agent market, right? And so are the are the Packers gonna want to get into that bidding war on the top end of of, of Robbie Anderson? I don't know. He could be up to you know fifteen million dollar cap hit in year one, assuming the thirty percent rule's in place still. That's a lot. There goes a lot of that money that they have aside and they've got a ton of needs that they want to provide depth for. Things are just overall tighter. I think if you're looking at wide receiver you know, someone like Tyson Sharp out of the Titans or Perryman coming from the Buccaneers, who he's kind of in that second tier, probably not going to be breaking the bank. But guys who, again, are maybe weren't the stars on their team who are kind of ascending and have a position where they can maybe come into Green Bay and light it up. Just look at the Smith brothers last year, right? Neither of those guys were household names, and now they are. 
because they came in here and they were able to turn it on and, you know, we we'll see what they're able to do. But again, if, if, if I'm a betting man, I think that we're going to be maybe sitting on the sidelines a little bit more day one, day two than what we saw last year. But we can maybe get into that second tier of free agency or like the one, you know, one B tier of free agency where there's still guys and they're going to get, you know, money's going to be thrown around. Um, but a lot depends on what we do with our own guys and whether or not we decide to extend Kenny Clark this offseason or we wait until end of the season or if Laga comes back. Those are the two huge kind of decisions that need to be everything kind of works around those two guys. I think you've hit on uh, the free agency part perfectly. The Packers likely, like as you said, aren't going to be big spenders like they were a year ago, but you've also pointed out that they do have some flexibility, a little bit of flexibility where they could go get, you know, Brashad Perryman, who's an ascending player. Uh, Tajay Sharp, you know, he was under Lafleur in Tennessee and saw his role decrease in, well, when he was there last right, season. Right. But he's a reliable option. Um, Michael Pierce, I know Spotrac has him at roughly four million dollars per year projected salary. Um, the Packers could use some help on the interior line, and then Nick quite Kwiatkowski, if I said that correctly, uh, as you pointed out as well, he's flashed that he could be a potential, you know, three down linebacker in this league, but isn't going to come with the same cost. Um, and so what you mentioned before with the 30% rule, I assume all the numbers with the Kenny Clark signing and the Brian Bulaga and your current cap figures are all based on that at the moment. Was that correct? Right. Everything I have, yeah, for those two big guys for the Packers, Clark and Bulaga, I was trying to come up with, okay, what's a realistic scenario that we could potentially get these guys in under that 30% rule? And if we come around tomorrow and the CBA gets signed, Great. You know, then those numbers, we can make them whatever we want to be, right? You know, but again, I call that using the cap credit card, right? If you push money out, you know, buy it now, right? Get the guy now, but pay almost nothing today. Well, the bill comes due down the road. Um, the 30% rule prevents that from happening a little bit. But again, the, the Packers, even if the 30% rule is gone, they they're not going to be reckless in free agency. They're not going to be reckless with the cap. That's just, that's not their MO. That's not what they do. That's not in their DNA. Um, but that being said, it opens the door for more creative ways to be able to get guys in the, in the 2020 at potentially lower cap numbers than what their average salary will be over the life of the contract to, and then see what we can do. But yeah, I, I don't see. I, I don't see us grabbing the top wide receiver, the top D lineman, the top linebacker on the market and say, okay, let's go. Let's go play ball. That's just not going to happen. Okay, so to kind of piggyback on that, and this is kind of our, our my last my last question. The first one is if just real quickly for our listeners, explain the difference between, or I mean, either why the rule is that um, there's different implications when you cut a player before or after June 1st. And then you might have already addressed it, but are there any positions that you think in free, that offer the most bang for your dollar. I think the fans want to know where do you think the Packers are going to spend their money, you know, so they can set their expectations. Is it wide receivers, is it linebacker, defensive line? You know, what's your opinion on on that? Two kind of unrelated questions. You know, again, the first one, the June 1st date and what, what that means, and then which positions actually offer the most bang for the dollar if you're talking about free agents? The June 1st question. So normally what happens in a, any other cap year um, if a player is cut or traded before June 1st of any offseason, um, any any dead money 
on a contract, and I'll explain that in a little bit, would immediately hit the current year, right? Um, if it's after June 1st, only the money, the dead money that's associated with that season would hit, and then the rest of it would come the following season. Well, we are in, of course, I said that there are lots of one-time rules with this cap, or not cap, um, CBA situation being what it is, that there are no longer any post-June designations this year. So that means if we cut a player or any team cuts a player or trades a player and they have dead money on their contract, teams are experiencing all of those hits this year and this year alone. Um, so what does that mean with dead money? So the biggest thing with dead money is usually going to be signing bonuses. If we give someone a, let's say, a $25 million signing bonus over five years, that's a, we, don't, we don't hit that $25 million on the cap um, the year that we sign them. We get to smooth that out, amortize it over the life of the contract, so that'd be a five million dollar average. Well, let's say after two seasons we decide to cut a player. Well, we already paid him the twenty five million dollar signing bonus, and the general good cap rule is if you pay it, you cap it. So when you cut them or trade them, that remaining fifteen that we've paid them but we haven't accounted for needs to get accounted for in the cap. So that would all accelerate them. So that's that's one of those rules that, again, that exists in this last year, the CBA, where there are no post-June designations. Um, because what would happen in the past is teams would cut these players that have these giant dead cap kit uh, hits. You could either cut them after the calendar date of June 1st, and then you could get preferential cap treatment that way. Or teams are allowed, I believe, up to two designations where they can say, okay, they were cut before June 1st, but we're just going to, for accounting purposes, say that they were cut after June 1st to allow for that treatment. That's out the door. So, again, another reason why things are going to be a little bit tighter for all teams. If there's someone's trying to you know, create cap space, it's going to be harder to because of, because of that rule. So that's that first question of the June 1st. Bang for the buck positions? All right, so I think that... The biggest needs on this team, you know, are going to be wide receiver, linebacker, and then what? Defensive line and offensive line. Again, I think offensive lineman is a much bigger need than what um, is maybe being talked about right now. Again, just because last year we had a great offensive line, but it's a game of replacement. And two years down the road, three of four, three of those guys might not be here anymore right and so they have to prepare for that so i i'm always a fan of you got to get your big guys and you got to get stability on the offensive line for me i think they need to figure out a way to uh, or i'm sure they have a plan of what they would like to do with those three guys i mentioned bakhtiari Lindsay, and bulaga but if that plan involves maybe moving on from bulaga they might need to be focusing on the tackle position in this draft a little bit higher um, to, to make sure that we're covered there. So, offensive linemen—you can never have enough good offensive linemen, and you know, and drafting those guys constantly, stocking the shelves with those big guys. Um, wide receiver—we have to do something there. We saw last year—it's we need we we need a little bit more some pizzazz there. I think that that will be an opportunity. Now, do I think we need over-index and you know draft four guys? Probably not. You know, I think that there are some good names that we can get in the off in the uh, free agent market that could be great on this team, and then we draft one or two guys and you know see what we have. I think one 
<laughs> one name that um, I'm excited about that didn't get a lot of press, that didn't get a lot of following, is uh, Packers already signed um, Reggie Begleton out of the CFL, Canadian Football League, this offseason to a futures contract and gave him some guaranteed money on that contract. So I watched, you know, he's just one of those guys, he's, he's on the roster, so I'm like, who is this guy? I want to look at him. Um, last year in the Canadian League, again, you know, it's not apples to apples by any means, but 102 receptions, uh, over 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, a 14-yard average. Guy was just a superstar in that league. I know we talked to a few teams this um uh, once the, the uh, Canadian football season was over and the Packers were able to get him locked up, he might be one of those low-key camp surprises that people are going to be like, who's this guy? You know, 6'2", 205 pounds, yep. fast guy. So I, that's a name that, again, we brought someone in. You know, is he going to be the number two? Is that going to be the expectation? I doubt it because there's a reason he's in the Canadian Football League. But I think there could be opportunity, you know, to, to watch a guy like that in camp and you know see what happens. You never know what you have. Um, defensive line, you know, defensive line and linebacker. If I had to pick between those, which one to focus on, I'd probably say linebacker because the guys we have, Oren Burks, uh, Bolton, and Ty Summers really kind of unproven or on the D line, you know, our depth there, you know, the, I know we could do more runs, uh, you know, better stopping the run, but you look at the guys that they already have on the contract, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, um, you know, Tyler Lancaster is going to come back as an exclusive rights guy. You know, he was a starter. Then um, you got Kingsley Kiki and Montrevious Adams already on the roster, right? So you already have five guys that are already on the roster who have experience in this team. And, you know, who've played minutes. Um, Kiki's one of those interesting guys I could see, you know, maybe stepping up and being a starter. But linebacker, man, they've only got three guys and they really haven't shown much. You know, Oren Burks, Ty Summers, Chris Bolton all have, you know, I don't know, not so much Summers, but, you know, injury concerns. It's, it'll, I think linebacker, if I had to choose between those two, defensive line and linebacker, if we're going to focus something. I think linebacker is probably where we can expect the Packers to go. Yeah, I think you hit it uh, right on the head there. And something to keep in mind, you know, as we're just in the offseason and mock drafts are being released left and right is how free agency and the draft really go together. I mean, Ken, you pointed out the importance of the offensive line. Um, I, at least off the top of my head, I can't think of any really good teams that have a poor offensive line. So if Belaga walks in free agency – um, which it sounds like could be a possibility just given his pay and the Packers cap situation, all of a sudden that becomes priority one in the draft, even though right now, prior to free agency, we're seeing you know a lot of wide receivers and linebackers being mocked to them at that 30th overall pick. But I agree, linebackers, um, you know, if they're going to splurge a little, you know, and that's uh, you know a relative term given their cap situation. Um, I think it's linebacker is what they have to look at. It's a deep wide receiver class. They can find someone, you know, with that with their first round pick who can likely step in and be a number two to Devonte Adams. Um, and then they also have, as Ken you mentioned, that depth along the offensive line. But I think it's also it's just super important to keep in mind how free agency and the draft work together in all of this as we're looking at mock drafts prior to free agency. Oh, absolutely. It all goes hand in hand. And I like to look at it as like cap, you know, salary cap, you know, as a resource is just there to as a tool to acquire talent, right? And so 
you yeah, you get a lot of questions of, oh, hey, if we cut this guy, we cut that guy, we're going to create more cap, and then we can go get another guy. It's like, well, if you cut a guy to create cap, great, but then now you just have cap, and the guy you want to get might not be better than the guy you cut, right? So, yeah, everything goes hand in hand. Um, I'm excited for this offseason. I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, you know, when I look at it from a cap perspective, I try and take off my Packers, you know, fan goggles a little bit and try and be <laughs> objective. Um, you know, it's not fun to try and, you know, root for guys being cut or replaced because, again, you know, they're guys just like you and me you know, with families and everything. But it's, you know, sometimes you got to be realistic, and that's what the guys in the front office do. And I'm excited to see where they're going to go in kind of a year three of Goody offseason. What are we gonna? What 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 are the focuses gonna be, right? And we've seen in the past when when he sees a deficiency, we go all in, right? So what did we do last year in free agents? We had we signed two outside linebackers, a safety, and an um, interior offensive lineman. Okay, then we go into the draft. What do we draft? Outside linebacker, a safety interior offensive lineman in our first three picks. So when there are needs on this team, the Packers are focusing on filling those. And so I'll be interested to see if, you know, we take a similar approach with wide receiver, inside linebacker, D-line, O-line, if we see double ups there. Because it's 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 the off season. You, you can't fix all your problems, A, and you can't fix all your problems in free agency, and you can't fix all your problems in the draft. But they're going to do the best that they can and, you know, get the best 53 guys out there and give it a shot. There's always going to be areas to improve, but, you know, then there's next year, right? <laughs> we can talk yeah. about it again after that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Phenomenal content. He is Ken Ingles. Ken, tell our listeners out there where they can find uh, your work, or more specifically, I guess, follow you on Twitter. And if you're not already following Ken on uh, Twitter, you're doing it wrong. But, Ken, go ahead and help out our listeners and tell them. Yeah, sure, guys. Yep. I'm just uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just a guy on Twitter uh, who knows a little bit about the cap and knows a little bit about accounting. Um, so, yeah, just follow me. It's my name, Ken Ingalls, K-E-N-I-N-G-A-L-L-S. Um, yeah, throw me, throw me a follow. I'm, I talk about Packers cap whenever something comes up, give good opinions, you know, just I, I, at least I try to, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you say you know a little bit about the salary cap. I'd say you know a lot bit about it, but that's just me. And I would, you know, I know we went a little bit longer um, today, but every minute was definitely worthwhile. Ken, this was great, great, out, great information. And I think at some point it's safe to say we'd love to have you back on again. So thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. And that's pretty much going to do it for this edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. As always, you can find Paul Brettel's great work over at Cheesehead TV and Dairyland Express. And I'm here every Saturday. We'll be back next Saturday with another show for you. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. This has been a great show. As always, our final and last to do, Go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.